Hi again, everybody. John Porteous of the Lovells Township Historical Society here, and you're listening to the Backcast Podcast. Well, welcome back. Um, fun week. Um, we'll get this out of the way real quick. For those of you that were in the area, stop by and supported us last weekend during our art sale. Thank you. Uh, we were successful uh, in exceeding our goal for uh, funding our scholarships this year, so we've got a little bit in the bank for next year and years forward. Um, so thank you. It was great. Um, now, uh, for this week's show, uh, we've got Robert Thompson. Uh, RT is an old friend of ours. Um, he is a very talented filmmaker, and uh, I suspect many of you listeners have seen some of his work, um, most notably for our area, a film called The River. Um, and as we'll talk about, that was... Uh, a while back um, was the uh, entertainment here in Grayling uh, the night before opener uh, when the film was screened at our local theater, the Rialto. So that was that was a lot of fun. So as is this conversation with RT. So without further ado, let's jump into it and uh, we'll catch you on the backside. Okay, everybody. Like I said, uh, this week... Uh, Richard and I have uh, Robert Thompson with us, RT. Um, I think a lot of folks are familiar with your work, RT, as a function of uh, openers a while back uh, when one of your films was uh, shown at the Rialto uh, the night before opener. It was pretty awesome. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What's, what's happening down in the Windy City this morning? Uh a lot there was a big gathering last night i think it was like the uh it was a big i think the mexican celebration so the city was kind of nuts last night and we had us uh ourselves a little boat tour uh yeah. that lasted way too long and it was way too much fun which led to a late rec- night yes adult recreation led to a very late night and a somewhat early morning but i'm here we're okay. good well it's all goodness um let's regress a little bit for the that aren't familiar with the RT, um, tell our folks a little bit about who you are, where where you came from, and uh, kind of how you got involved in fly fishing. I grew up in uh, northeast Michigan in a town called Alpena, and yeah. like a lot of us, I fished as a kid uh, rather obsessively at times, but I was a, a bait and gear guy, again, like a lot of us how we all started. And it, it probably wasn't until, you know, I got into junior high, high school that I, you know, I got distracted with with other things and kind of got away from fishing and then went off to college and, and started a career. And, and during those years, I could probably count the number of times I fished on one hand. Oh, wow. But it it wasn't till I, I, I lived everywhere. And, and I kind of wish, as I look back on it, that I would have been uh, fly fishing, or fishing for that matter, in all the various places I lived. Because I was on a tear after I graduated college, and about every year I was moving to a different state. So I lived you know, out east, in the south, out west, did it all. Um, but it wasn't until 99, I was living in Boston at the time, and, and in 99 I moved back to the Midwest and settled in Chicago, uh, that I reconnected with an old college roommate who was a huge fisherman and was still fishing. 
and he got me to go up and do a fly-in trip um, in uh, up in Ontario. Excellent. It's kind of fishing bear camp, and and I and again I probably hadn't fished in ten years at the time that we did this, and it kind of rekindled things. And I think it was once once I got back to Chicago, and it's kind of a lark how it happened. It, it, there was no master plan um, how I got into the fly fishing end of it, but that that trip to Ontario kind of got me back just into the fishing in general, and. The odd thing is, when I moved to Chicago, my first three jobs I had in Chicago were all on Ontario Street. And Ontario Street is right off the Mag Mile in, yeah. in the big shopping district in Chicago. And, oh, there is. And, and <laughs> almost on the corner of Ontario in Michigan, there's an Orvis store. Yes. And I had to walk by that place twice a day, and sometimes four times a day if I went to, you know, depending on where I went to lunch. And one morning, I was uh, heading out to grab some, or actually one afternoon, I was grabbing some lunch, and there was a, a like an, an Asian place right across the street, or at the time there was an Asian place across the street, and I was standing on the corner, and the Asian place is to my left, and Orvis is to my right, and as I was waiting for traffic to clear, I kept looking over my shoulder and looking into the Orvis, and for whatever reason, I'll never forget, when you looked into the window, at the, the fly fishing department was in the very back, and I could see, like, the waders hanging on the wall. <laughs> and I'm looking at the, the, at the you know, lunch spot, and I'm looking at Orvis, and I'm looking at the lunch spot. And for whatever reason, I took a right and went into Orvis. Cool. And I walked in, and I walked back to the fishing department, and I'm standing there, and this guy comes out, and he says, hey, can I help you? And I said, I, I think you can. I said, I think I'm going to start fly fishing. And he's like, really? Okay. So you've never fly fished? I said, no, not really. Um, and he uh, got me everything. So, I mean, I walked out of there with rod, reel, waders, a video, like a how-to video, a uh, box of flies. So I gave him the lowdown. I said, there's this little brook trout creek I've been fishing since I was a kid, and that's probably where I'm going to try this. So he rigged me up with a little six-and-a-half-foot uh, four-weight, which is but still my favorite rod to this day. Yeah. And I uh, left there, and, and, and as I was walking back down Ontario, I walked by the first company I ever worked for, and there was a guy sitting out having a cigarette, and he looks me up and down, and he sees all these bags. He goes, what do you got there? And I said, well, it looks like I'm a fly fisherman now. And then it hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. You fly fish, because I remember going into his office, and he had fly tying stuff, and he had pictures all over the wall of muskie and trout and this, and, and his name was Adam, and, and he goes, yeah, I just got back from Montana. And I'm like, really? He goes, well, what are you going to do with all that stuff? And I said, I don't know. I guess I'm going to go to Michigan. And he said, you ever been to Wisconsin? No. You ever, you ever fished the Driftless? No. <laughs> you want to go? Yes. All right, let's go this weekend. And it was like a Tuesday. So I had like two two or three days to, there was a little park near me. I had like two or three days to figure out how to cast, which as I would find out later, a six and a half foot four weight is not a real good starter rod when you're trying to learn how to cast. It's it's an interesting starter rod, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was really, and I didn't, I, and I couldn't get it, and I was just, I was horrible. Um, but anyways, he took me that Saturday, and I'm thinking the whole time, I'm thinking, I said, why are we going to Wisconsin? For some reason, I thought Wisconsin was going to be like Nebraska, just okay. flat, 
cornfields, but it wasn't until you get into the driftless and all the coolies and all the you know, the hills and valleys and there's these all these amazing creeks, spring-fed creeks, mm-hmm. that we we fish that day and he and and again I, I did everything wrong and and I blame him for it because <laughs> I didn't know any better because he sets me up with a, it was in September right so he sets me up with this rig a, a double rig like a dry dropper so I have a six and a half foot rod that I can't cast very well and he puts on a yeah he puts on an elk haired caddis in a in a little bead head nymph. He says, okay, Adam, mean streak. Yeah, he did. I know. You know, later I thought, God, what did I ever do to Adam? To say, was there a karma thing involved here? <laughs> I, I don't know what it was, but then he sets me up and he says, "Just start here," and then he left me. And I don't know what I'm doing. I, I mean, it was just miserable. And I caught up to him, and he's catching fish. And we we, we went the whole day, and and I was just an idiot. And I'm just watching him, which is cool though. I was watching him catch fish, and I was just amazed at. You know, if you've never been to the Driftless, these little spring creeks and all these great fish that he was catching. Um, but it wasn't until the evening he took me to a creek called uh, the Big Green. And he could see I was kind of starting to get frustrated. By You know, the honeymoon had worn off. Now I'm getting kind of pissed. Glad he was at least a little observant. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, you know, but I, so he, he could kind of sense that. And he said, here's what we're going to do. You're going to start at the bridge. I'm going to jump ahead of you. He said, just keep working your way up the creek until you find me, and then we'll, we'll figure it out from there. I said, fine. So he leaves me, and I'm, I'm flailing away, and I don't really know, you know how to read water. I don't know where I'm casting. It's pretty obvious in these little creeks, but I didn't really know at the time. And I'm about halfway. I'm like an hour, you know, maybe two hours into this, just getting more and more frustrated. And I finally came to a little area and for whatever reason, everything went perfect. I shot out maybe a 20-foot cast, and I'm watching the little elk-haired cast kind of dance back to me, and it's coming back to me, it's coming back. And it just kind of dipped under the water and went to the side. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, at first I, I just kind of slowly raised the rod tip and felt, oh, my Lord. I'm like, oh, my God, I got one, I got one, I got one. And I just lost my mind. And it ended up being a 9-inch brown trout. And you would have thought it was two foot. Sure. And I was never more. I got to sing in the net, and I it was in, in that. And it's 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 weird the little, you know, the little takeaway that I that the the still or whatever the pick in my mind is that little brassy nymph was perfectly tucked up in the corner of his mouth, exactly where it should be. And I remember thinking to myself, God, he ate this thing that's so tiny. And I, you know, it took me a minute because I couldn't even get my fingers in there to get the thing. You know, the brassy was so small and popped it out and took a picture. That was back in the days when, you know, you went to the drugstore and you got like that cardboard camera. Sure. You bet. I, I took a bunch of pictures of it. And I still have the pictures of the very first trout I caught. And uh, I let it go. And, and it was in the, then it was like an, a complete obsession. I had another fish maybe half hour later blow up on the caddis and I buggered that up. Never caught another fish the rest of the night. Um, we went to another creek, and there was, as I would find out later, because Adam really didn't know either, but it was probably like an olive uh, spinner fall, and every fish in the creek was rising, but I couldn't catch them because I didn't know what I was doing. But I was completely obsessed, and we were leaving that night, and we were driving home, and I said, dude, I don't know what you're doing next weekend, but I would do this in a heartbeat. And he said, I would love to come next weekend, but unfortunately... 
the season ends tomorrow. Oh, you know, no. It was that last, you know, the, the, it, it ended like the last day or the last weekend in September, kind of like how Michigan's inland season is, but I can't, I can't remember exactly what it is. Last but anyways, Saturday. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, okay, it was the last Saturday. So, yeah, same thing, because we went on a Saturday, but it, he said it, it, it's, today was like the last day. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I, I remember all the way home, I'm just thinking, well, now what am I going to do? <laughs> exactly. And that's when I, I went home and obsessively started searching the Internet, and I found, like, the Michigan Trout Streams book that uh, Lindzenman and some other dude did way back when. Sure. And I bought that. And when I was reading it, like, the first couple chapters, I think, are the uh, there's, a, there's a chapter on the north branch of the Asable. And within the first half of the front half of the first paragraph, it mentions something about with the new extended season. And I read that, and I went, wait, 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 what, 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 what? And I jumped on the computer. I'm like, what do you mean extended season? Did you get that big light bulb thing over your yeah. head? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I can fish somewhere. And, and to keep making a long story longer, I did a search, Sable River, fly fishing, and the first thing that comes up is Gates Lodge. So I, so I, I quick click on that, go to the contacts, and as I would find out later – there's just some dude named Gator that I'm sending the email to, and I write him like a 14-page email because yeah. I'm, I'm so fired up, saying I want to come up and fish, and I just kind of started, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I love that. Well, oh, I know. Well, here's the funny part, and it, I guess you only get it if you, if you, you know, those who know Gator. I get back, I get to work the next day, and I'm eagerly wondering if I get a reply back, and I see Gates Lodge reply, and I open it up, and I'm expecting this big, huge, long, you know, equally as long reply, and all he wrote was, come on up, we'll take care of you. Yeah. Ah, And I'm like, wait, 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 where's the rest? What do you mean? What do you mean, come on up, we'll take, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? But that's what I did. I reached out and called him, and I went up like two weeks later, mid-October, was my first trip up to the Asable, and... uh, to, went with Terry Warrington. You know, Terry used to do those like on-stream instructional things. Yeah, you bet. And Terry took me from gate from a uh, guide's rest back down to the lodge. And it was a great little olive day. It was a dreary, cold, drizzly day. And Perfect. I yeah. caught a bunch of fish, unbelievably. Well, so, Terry, Terry, what a great guy to go out with too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. He was. He was great. But he was. It was funny because you know I don't know Terry. I don't know this guy from Boo. I don't know anything about what's going on up there. Right, don't know who this rusty character is. You know, I thought because Andy Partlow was was like my contact, right? Because right. I booked, you know, I ended up contact when I called up there. Andy answered the phone, so Andy was Andy was my guy. So right. I know nothing about this rusty guy. So I was, you know, I I'm like I don't know who this this dude is. So he he meant like nothing to me because I don't know, you know, what's rusty. I didn't know anything about that. He was just like this dude, <laughs> this skinny dude who was in the fly shop, and. uh but anyway, so they hooked me up with Terry, and Terry was great. But it was it was kind of funny if you've ever fished with Terry, or like maybe when he's doing his instructional thing, he's a he's a, a like a close talker, he's a close guy, right? And he, and he probably he would have yes he 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 kind of had a habit of just kind of coming up to the edge of your personal space. Yes, as it were. yes, and I get it because he would he would constantly be reaching over and grabbing my arm. You know, saying, yeah. "Oh, you need to do this, and you need to do this," and I got. But then, but then he wouldn't like like step away. <laughs> so like the whole time we're like shoulder to shoulder walking down this creek, and I'm thinking, "Boy, if this guy could just give me just a little, little, little breathing room here." <laughs> but anyway, so I got to know Terry real well that day. 
and uh, <laughs> it was great. And that and that's kind of how it how it all um, how it all transpired. And I'll, I'll just add one more thing because there, there's a there's a there's an ending to this. Why I'm taking so long to to talk about this? Oh, you're, you're, this is great, perfect. Um, so they also hooked me up with the, that day when I when you know the first day I was there. I, I fished for uh, three days, so Rusty gave me a bunch of sh- you know, streamers and stuff too, because I bought a sinking line with that little six and a half foot four way, yeah. and. He set me up with a, a lot of those those, and I think they probably, you know, maybe they still sell them in the shop. But at the time, those unweighted uh, Gartside gurglers were, were the big, like the small little streamer, no no bead, you know, no weighted head or anything. Right. And he gave me some of the some of the buggers, you know, the weighted buggers, which were really hard for me to cast at that time in that little rod. So I went uh-huh. with this little little Gartside, and. Rusty's trying to explain to me, you know, about streamer fishing because Terry and I didn't do that, and it was the second day, and I wanted to go back to Guide's Rest and time it and just mimic that whole day that Terry and I had because I was going to be on my own. And Rusty described, well, you just look for, he said, look for the sweepers, which I didn't know what a sweeper was. He said, just look for the log jams and try to throw this fly right along those log jams and just strip it right down the side. And he said, and keep stripping it out to the center of the river and then bring it back to you move down and do it again. So you just, he said, you want to hit the wood, hit the wood. I'm like, okay, great. So I go back to guide's rest and I, and I bushwhack through and go upstream and start coming back downstream. And, you know, so that was my plan. So I get in the river and I'm looking around and there's, of course there's a lot of wood. And I'm like, okay, I think this must be what he's talking about. The wood. I tie on the weighted, uh, bugger and I couldn't cast it. So I, I went to uh, a black, green and gold little guard side that he gave me. And I could kind of cast that one. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. I'm like, all right, this this is the wood right here. So I cast first cast. I put it off in the in the wood, and I'm kind of like, all right, this this will work. I move down a little bit, make the second cast, and I can see the you know this fall and the water's low and it's crystal clear, and I can see the the gurgler, or the gart side drop in the water, and I'm kind of stripping it along the wood, and I'm like, oh, that looks kind of cool, and I'm, I'm stripping it, and it's kind of pumping along the wood, and it kind of goes off the end of the wood, and it starts to head downstream, and as it starts to you know, kind of come back around into the current, I see what looks like a shadow. And I'm like, is that, wait a minute, is that, I'm like, oh shit. And it was a big brown came out and right on that swing, he he just corked it. And I had, and suddenly I have this brown on and this thing's doing cartwheels and, and I'm not lying, you know, my hand to God, my second cast in the Asable with a streamer, I got a 16 inch brown. There you go. Also got a picture of that with the cardboard camera, yeah, which I funny. still have. Yeah. And it was the most beautiful, you know, it was kind of that, they, they kind of, they're like that kind of greenish, iridescent, golden green. And I'd never seen a brown like that. Of course, I hadn't seen a lot of browns for that matter. Yeah. And let it go. And anyways, the, the rest of that day, it was, it, was, it was drizzly and cold and murky. I had an amazing day, better than the day I had with Terry. Third day, he's you know Rusty sent me to the South Branch, and I fished there and had a reasonable day. And I thought by the time I left there that I had fly fishing and the Asable figured out. <laughs> Good for and, you. And boy was I wrong. <laughs> and to this day, I have never recreated that mid-October weekend. It's it's funny how that works. Never recreated, and 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 I'll go a step further. 
that I think that happened for a reason. Because if I would have went up there on a bluebird weekend, per usual in mid-October, and nothing's going on, right. and I spent three days flailing around there and didn't catch a fish, you know, would I ever went back? I don't know. Would 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 I be obsessed about fly fishing as I got? I don't know. So I think that weekend kind of happened for a reason. Yeah. You know, That's and I and I think it hooked me for a reason, and boy did it it grab me. Yeah. Well, this, but, I mean, <laughs> you, 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 it did it did just kind of open the floodgates because uh, you you've embraced the <laughs> the river and the community with both arms. Yeah. yeah. And it was and it was a really you know a kind of a seminal weekend when I think about it, and and, and a lot of people listening might you know not understand what I'm talking about. But that weekend I met, you know, the first people that I met cause I stayed at Gates ended up being friends to this day. You know, I met, uh, Joe Reed that weekend, Lance Wayneth that weekend, uh, Chicago Joe that weekend. Those are like the first three people Perfect. that I met. And to this day there's, there's, I still fish with them. They're still friends. So that was kind of, you know, it was kind of the foundation that I just kind of went from there uh, of how, you know, this whole thing with me and the Asable started. Well, it, it, again, for our listeners, it it didn't stop with you just deciding that, you know, you're going to become an avid angler. Um, with it, And we've kind of alluded to it um, earlier, but d- tell folks what you do. Uh, <laughs> you... Um, yeah, I, I I work in I work in television, which was you know it's what I went to school for and it's it's been my career for, geez, probably coming up on thirty years now, yeah. um, and I'm the type of person if if I like something or I get into something, I want to get as good as I can at it, and I will do whatever it takes, whether it's you know if I have to read ten books or magazines or at the you know back in that day, you know getting. Uh, VHS tapes or DVDs, you know, I, w- I would do whatever I needed to do. And so when I got in, you know, really got into the fly fishing thing, I, st- I, st- I did just that. I started buying, uh, you know, this is back in probably 2002, 2003, maybe. I was, you know, I bought a bunch of, at the time, VHS, you know, how-to instructionals. I got a bunch of those old 3M casting videos, <laughs> and some Mel Krieger casting stuff and some Joe Humphreys stuff. There you go. And that's, you know, that's what I watch. But as I'm watching some of this content and I work in the business, I'm kind of watching it thinking, I think I could do something like that. So that kind of started planting the seed. So somewhere probably around 2003, 2004, where I work, the, uh, we were transitioning from standard definition to high definition. So we had kind of into life and mothballed a bunch of old standard definition cameras. So not saying it's a real good idea, and I shouldn't have done it, but I did. I got my hands on one of those old standard definition beta cams, and I thought what would be interesting, what if I took this you know, for a year and tried to take this whenever myself and friends went fishing and I would just document our little fishing trips. Okay. And that's what I did. For like two years I did this. To the point it was like starting to annoy everyone that I was fishing with. I was like, dude, you're not bringing that camera again, are you? 
Well, you know, yeah, I kind of have to. Yeah. You know, I'm committed to this. I'm all in on this. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, by now it's it's you're full in. Yeah, I'm I'm fully vested in this thing. The camera's going wherever I wherever I go, and I got friends. I'm teaching them how to use it, so they can shoot me a little bit. And I'm just putting out these little goofy uh, little shorts that I'm making. And I got to the point I got tired of trying to burn DVDs of it so I could show them. And that's you know in in websites and everything. You know the web was certainly present, but it was you know maybe it wasn't to where it is today. Really and I is. thought, yeah, I thought what if, you know what if what if I make a website and I know I can upload videos to this website, then I can just point friends to, you know, just watch it off the website. Yeah. It's going to be much easier. So I found someone to create a crappy little website for me. I didn't have a name for it, but it was, I created the thing on at, during the third year of my fly fishing. Mm-hmm. So I just called it third year fly fisher. And, you know, there was no master plan. There was no end game. I didn't really think it through because I didn't know where this was going to go. Not that it really went anywhere, but, you know, whatever. That's just the name I came up with, and that's the crappy little site that I still have. Never changed it. It's, it's kind of a dead site now because the, the whatever, the application that was used to create it um, no longer works with whatever, right. however websites work. So it's a dead site. I can't change anything unless I build a new website, which I'm not going to do. So it's just kind of... One of those legacy platforms? Exactly. And, and there's nothing I can do with it. So, But anyways, the, the point is that the site has never changed. From the day I made it to, to how it is today, you can still access it and you can still order DVDs and stuff through, but it's just I can't update it or make any changes. But anyways, um, that's kind of how the whole third year fly fisher thing started. Oh, that's, and, that's cool. You know. and it, I, I guess in, in kind of a cruel way, because I, I, I want to talk about, um, and, and you've made, you know, as you've alluded to, you've made a variety of films. I want to talk a little bit about um, The River, um, but I guess in, in deference to our listeners, we should probably disclose that, um, and again, I may be wrong, but it's not available anymore, is it? The the river as a DVD is not available. Okay. Um, all those those copies are all gone. Um, you know, DVDs are you know they were the thing back then. You know, not so much anymore. Well, sure. Well, I mean, it's hard to find a, a laptop with an optical drive anymore. Exactly, and 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 that was the killer. That was the that was the ultimate nail in the coffin. Yeah. When when they did that, because I had so many people that would tell me, you know, that they would travel with their laptop and have, you know, the river or some other movie I had or whatever. I used to get pictures all the time that somebody, some random person would send me a pic of them where I could see, like, the laptop sitting in their lap at an airport. And they yeah. would be playing one of my movies and they'd send it to me, which I always thought was kind of cool. Oh, dude, but, I'd, I'd do that with my laptop at Gates and, and yeah. watch the river. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think and I think when 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 like you said when laptops quit you know having a CD-ROM player in it, that was that really was the nail um, for portability you know because now you're 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 tied to as streaming came available you know people want to watch when they want to watch on their phone or whatever you know in the DVD right. days you, you had to go where the player is, right? And and you know just and no one's got players anymore and and this and that and this and that which makes sense so yeah DVDs kind of went by the wayside, you know, there was, there was a big shift, you know, and I was completely oblivious to it between the river and the next one I did, which was called Spade A's, a steelhead movie. 
and that took like three years for me to do it. So the river came out in 14, Spade Days wasn't released until 17, and for three years I wasn't really paying attention. But okay. there was a wholesale shift in terms of the viewing habits. There's a lot happening. Yeah, a lot happening, and I went ahead and made a DVD, and, and I was really ambitious. This was a double disc, and I went all out in this thing. There you go. And then, unfortunately, found out that people really aren't buying DVDs anymore. And I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, so, this product for a niche audience. It's, yeah. Uh, so that one was a tough one. I really had to lean into those to get those sold and it worked fairly well but you know that one was probably the biggest disappointment because I was just used to the old days when you know the more you bought the you, you know the price per would drop but sure. so I was I was just confident that dude I can get rid of you know 3000 of these things easily it, it, the last batch went great this will be exactly uh, and, yeah. and 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 the sad thing was I started to get an idea that something was amiss because usually there was two distributors, uh, a place called Rumpf's and a place called um, Angler's Books. And okay. usually in the past, I could just send them an email to each one of them. Hey, guys, got another title coming up. Just want to give you a heads up, and I'd immediately get an email back. Cool, you know, let us know when you get a trailer, send us artwork, send us your retail price. Um, and when, uh, when you get the DVD pressed, you know, send us four or 500. Yeah. And each of them would say that. And I was like, boom, immediately 1,000 sold, right? right? I did that same thing in early 2017 for that, and I heard nothing back <laughs> from either of them. And, and it, it hit me a couple of days later. I'm like, why didn't I hear back from those guys? Sent the email back again, and I got an email back from one of them saying, okay, cool. I'm like, okay, cool? What do you mean, okay, cool? Huh? What the hell does okay, cool mean? <laughs> and that's when I realized, uh-oh, something, uh-oh. something's different. So, but anyways, yeah, so streaming came and, and, you know, and that's, you know, that's kind of the game now is, sure. is streaming. Um, but do, do you have a gateway where people can uh, view your work? Yeah, it's, it's all, I mean, if you, if you do go to my website, even though it's a dead site, you, there are links to all the titles up to uh, Summer Haze, which was after Spade Days. That was a warm water thing. Okay. And there's links, you know, up to Summer Haze for all my titles around Vimeo. Oh, so, great. So you, can, so you can find them. Platform. I, and, I'm delighted to hear you're on that platform. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, really, I really like Vimeo. And the, and the nice thing about, you know, if, if there was something good about the streaming thing was all the, all the, well, I shouldn't say all of them, a lot of the movies starting with, like, Heart of the Driftless, I think Heart of the Driftless, there was actually three movies on Heart of the Driftless, and there was three movies on the river, and I could split those out. So right. you can take a single DVD, like, you know, Heart of the Driftless. There was a, actually one of my favorite movies I did called Reverb. was about a, a punk rock band out of Chicago. They were all fly fishermen. That's awesome. Really? But it, but it, yeah, but, it, but it's hard to target that audience when it's on a, DVD, a fly fishing DVD. Yeah. You know? Because that, that documentary I did was, was as much about the band and their music as it was the fly fishing. But the nice thing was I could then, in the streaming world, I could split that away and have it its own title and then well, just tar- target that music a, audience. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that, awesome. So that's what I did like about the streaming. But then, you know, as we've progressed, it's gotten a little harder because now, you know, at, back in those days, though YouTube was around, there was no monetization program with YouTube. 
So, you know, you, you know, for years I used to scratch my head and think, how do you make money on YouTube? And nobody really knew. Right. But now they have that all figured out, and there's a lot of content creators that, that are on the monetization program. And it almost forces you, if you want to make any money, to be a full-time um, YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And so the problem with somebody like me now is, you know, I'm competing against free. And I get it. That's tough, you know, because as a consumer, you can just sit and click away, and you have nothing invested into it. It's, it. It falls back on the lap of the content creators to keep pumping out content for people to watch if you want to make any money at it. So I'm competing, you know, because I'm the only idiot who's still out there saying, I'm, I'm going to create something, you know, give me 25 bucks and you can watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, that model is dead. <laughs> but I, I just so, haven't got the hint yet. Certainly wounded. <laughs> yeah. Certainly wounded. So yeah. that's, you know, so it's, it's all shifted. So there's, you know, the river's out of print. Pretty much all the DVDs I have are out of print. I have a very small stash of uh, Summer Haze and a small stash of Spade A's. And actually, just cleaning out the garage last year, I found like a half a box of Heart of the Driftless that I didn't even know I had. Oh, there you go. So, so I have a, a few of those, but, you know, you really can't, you know, I can't change the site, my site, to say, oh, by the way, I do have these DVDs now. Or at least for Heart of the Driftless. I think if you go there, it says it's, it's out of stock. Um, but anyways, yeah, so there's, you know, there's a few DVDs left, but they don't, you know... They'll, they'll probably end up in a landfill <laughs> eventually. I'm, I'm just holding on to a small, small stash of that. That maybe someday, you know, like everything comes full circle. Maybe ten years from now, there'll be a, you know, it, DVDs it'll, will be back in vogue. Just like vinyl came back, everything yeah. else came back too. Yeah. Um, well, and, and sa- definitely save copies for the uh, for the museum. Uh, yes. Because that's kind of what we do. Uh, we could probably sell a few up there, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll sell away our artifacts. <laughs> no, the um, well, if I'm not mistaken, and it, so this is a great chance for me to uh, to clarify with you. Did I hear a rumor you've got another um, project or maybe a reboot coming? Yes, I I people that know me. It's kind of a running thing because I was supposed to have been done making these things after the river. And I told everyone this is the perfect one to go out on. I'm done. But then, you know, I did spay days. Yeah. (laughs) And then after that, you know, I kind of got into warm water fishing. So I decided to do summer haze. And then after that, since I got a new camera and might as well shoot something, I really got into musky fishing. The, The most recent one. Uh, I did. It's. It's. I don't want to say it's not like it's like like a, a how-to, but it's 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 as more of a techniques film as I've ever done because I just had no interest in doing that, and it's it's all about musky. But it's like a, it's like a it's like a movie wrapped around a techniques film, if that makes any sense. Because there's it's a. Um, well, and again, for folks that haven't seen your work, you do beautiful work. Arty. Thank you. You're, Thank you. You have. The gift of the eye, and that's it, I maintain that that cannot be taught. That just happens. Yeah. Thank you. You do beautiful work, man. Thank you. Well, along those lines, the the reason you know the very first one I did was called Night of the Hex, and it was never meant to see the light of day. And the reason I did Night of the Hex. Is there a pun in there. <laughs> Pardon me. Oh yeah, there is. There is. Yep, there is. Good catch. <laughs> um, the reason I did Night of the Hex 
was because I didn't know, again, back in the DVD days, I didn't know how to make a DVD. You know, if you went into a fly shop or wherever, or any DVD for that matter, and you picked it up and looked at it, how do you get it to that point? Mm-hmm. You know, who manufactures these? How do you burn them? What, I mean, how, how do you go through the process? What are the steps in that process to get it to a DVD, and then how do you get it distributed? So that's the path that I started going down. I've got to figure out how to make one of these, because in the back of my mind, the next one that I, uh, that I knew I was going to do was called Musky Country. And okay. though this little fly fishing filmmaking world is, a, is very, very small, if, if there was one thing that kind of put me on that very small little map, it was Musky Country. Yeah. So I, I knew that was coming, so I needed to go through the process. And going through that process... I, I didn't think I would ever distribute the thing or it would ever be seen. I figured I'd figure out how to do it. I'd make a DVD and I'd give it to the people that helped me do it, you know, burn 10, 15 copies, blah, 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 and be done with it. But luckily for me, at the time when I got done with it and I was sitting on it and I was already starting to work on Muskie Country and I was starting to talk to distributors, um, there was a lack of content. You know, because I remember, I remember going onto YouTube back in that day, and I think, gosh, I don't even know. Well, it was about 2009, I think, and I searched YouTube like fly fishing, and there was about like 20 minutes worth of content. <laughs> right. You know, because there, there was nothing because you couldn't get. You know, cameras were so expensive back then. You know, it was this was before DSLRs. This was before good video, before cameras uh, or phones and cameras. I'm sorry, cameras and phones. You know, it was before all that. So, you know, unless you had some kind of VHS player, remember those old, you know, VHS things that people would take home movies with? You know, unless you had something like that or a high 8 camera or whatever the case may be, there there was no content. It it was the stuff that I was seeing was was some of that old 3M stuff or some, you know, uh, outdoor shows, whatever, whatever. They're probably commercially done because they just... The expense and the logistics of bringing yep. it from analog to digital was insane. Yeah, because like when, when you know when I first started in this business, you know, if you think about, you know, the camera, the mental images, you know, the the news guys, that big camera on their shoulder, right? That's okay. what I learned on. But those cameras, for standard definition, they played tape. Those were forty five thousand dollars, right. and then to use it, you had to have an edit suite that was a tape based edit suite. So you had to have decks and recorders and stuff to play it back. I mean, you were looking at uh, you know a few hundred thousand dollar investment just yeah, to be able to edit one of these things. Hundred dollars of software, you're talking right. six figures of hardware. Exactly. Age. <laughs> so nobody, you know, n- no kid was sitting in his bedroom doing this back then. So at the time, that's when the camera prices and stuff they started making. You know, the DSLRs were just starting to come out. Sony and Panasonic were, were manufacturing what they were calling prosumer cameras, Sumers, but, they, right. but they were certainly professional, and, and you could do it. So I ended up buying one of those cameras, and that's what I shot Night of the Hex and most of Muskie Country on. Oh, no um, kidding. Yeah. And, and, but anyways, I just, you know, that's, that's the reason I shot Night of the Hex. And if I was to be honest with you, not very good. And no. that always kind of bothered me. That I, if I go back and look at all my little titles, and not to be narcissistic, I thought I think they're all pretty good, except Night of the Hex. I, I, I never really liked it, 
and and with the new technology and cameras and the low light capabilities and this and that i i you know it just always bothered me and as i was thinking about it i thought you know what? maybe maybe i could circle back around even though i said i was going to be done in in the latest muskie was going to be the last one i said i'll circle back around and 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 do night of the hex again and mainly because it's it's an easy thing you know well, all the other ones i've done is like 9 months deal you hit every month you're trying to hit all the hatches or you know all the seasons and you know okay. this is just a june thing well and it's and it's aided and abetted greatly um as you said by the advances in technology the the hex is is a is a pitch black affair so yes having the equipment that you know can can work that way is <laughs> just wasn't possible back in the day yeah, so I mean, I I I still knew that you know it was going to be tough because anytime anytime you know you want to screw up fish and bring a camera, and and that's just you know that's just how it goes and and it and it happened you know this year, this year was a funky hex year. Yeah. You know, you know f- by most people's standards, it was a funky year, and when whether it's because of me saying I'm going to do a movie or me showing up on the river with a camera, it was it was not as easy. As I had hoped, but again, they never are. We but, can now fix root cause, though. Thank you, RT. Yes, exactly. I was back in the River Valley, so everyone, you're welcome. Uh, you were only able to be blamed for uh, Hendrickson event. Yeah, exactly. And 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 now, we, uh, just to give let people know that I will be back in the River Valley next year. <laughs> so expect more of the same. Sorry. It's yourself accordingly. <laughs> yeah. So it's you know I figured I figured I'd take two seasons. Um, you know, just in case. And I also wanted to get up to, you know, the original Night of the Hex, I did have a Wisconsin component to it. Oh, really? But, but I've always wanted to get up to fish the Brule, the trout waters of the Brule uh, in Wisconsin. I've fished the steelhead waters numerous times, but I've never been been up into the upper river, into the, into the trout waters. And they uh, get great Hex, great drakes, basically everything the Asable gets. Um, so I want to go up there, and they have their own little boat too um, oh, that really? they use. Yeah, yeah, their own little wooden boat. I can't remember the name of it, um, but they have a, na- a Lucius. That's what they call them, like Lucius boats. Is it a long boat or is it? It's it's kind of a tweener. It's not it's not like the long boats. It's more of like a uh, what do you call them? Uh, a p p row. What? I, I think the boats are called a p row or p. Irish round boats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. they're not like the long boat. They're kind of probably half the length maybe. Um but they're cool. I mean, I I haven't I've seen, you know, one not real up close, but I'm going to get if I get up there to shoot, uh which I have every intention to next year cuz there's a guy that was in the uh that guides up there that was in the Steelhead movie. Okay. Uh, and he's been bugging me cuz he he got the river and he he was in thrall cuz he's a big boat guy. And he told me when he watched the river, like all the footage on the south branch, he said it reminded him of the trout waters of the Brule. And he's also in love with the boats. Okay. So I'm going to, you know, kind of tackle that whole um, whole deal with the boats. And the history, you know, the river presidents, how many presidents have fished that river. A lot of, lot of history. Like Much like the Asable, there's a lot of history on that river. So I'm hopefully yep. going to go up there and sh- you know, spend a week up there and shoot and do it some justice and... Hopefully, uh, you know it's it's a it's a tough thing because it's a long way away and and you're dealing with bugs, you're dealing with Mother Nature. 
Well, if they, yeah, the, if there, there's no exact time. It's like trying to time the market. It just didn't happen. Yes. She could throw a big curveball, and I can drive eight hours up there, and it's either I'm going to get there and it's, it's I'm too late or I'm too early. Or right. or I'm or maybe we get lucky and I and I hit it and I'm there at the right time, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. So the old thing, you should have been here next week. Yeah, how many times have I heard that? <laughs> Every time, you know, because that's the thing about you know for me and, and a lot of people traveling distances, you know, I've ha- I've had to kind of get past that. You know, I used to be obsessed when I schedule. Okay, I'm going up to the Sable for three days, and I'd obsessively watch the weather and just it'd make myself crazy. I know. And I just, I quit after a while. I'm like, dude, you got, here's your three days. Whatever's oh, going to happen is going to happen. Go into the den, you mess with your fly box. Oh, no, this is all wrong now. The weather's changed. It's right. Just, it's, and you, you learn all those things. I remember, you know, and I don't know if maybe it was like you guys when you first started fishing up there. If, if I wasn't in that river 10 minutes after I got there, I was, I was late. Like, what are you doing, dude? You need to be in the river. But it could be, it could be 2 o'clock on a bright sunny day in August. Uh-huh. And what the hell am I doing? You know, but you learn after a while that there's times to be in that river, and there's a lot of times not to be in that river. Yeah. And it and it took me many many years. I remember going like the it was probably the second or third year I was going up there, and I went into the shop, and I told Rusty, and I think this was like in August, and I told Rusty, you know, can I get a car spot, and can I get a bag lunch? He's like, what do you want that for? And I said, because I'm going to do a long wade. And you know how you see, like, look at you over his glasses? Exactly. And he's like, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to go down to uh, Lower TU. From where? Here. <laughs> and, he, and he looks at me, and he goes, what in the hell do you want to do that for? That's a goddamn death march. <laughs> and he was absolutely right. I got down, I left, I got into the... the the uh, river that morning right at the lodge and I got down to about spite and I would have paid someone I got okay. you know below spite a ways I would have paid someone a hundred dollars to come get me out of that river that day <laughs> it was awful <laughs> and I and I'm and I have to wait all the way down to lower to you yeah but dude I love your enthusiasm <laughs> you can't you can't trump enthusiasm that's awesome no, no. and that's what but then you start to learn Dude, that was a complete waste of your time. You know, it, it, I think it was probably on a Saturday. There's canoers and, co- you know, it's just, and I'm right in the middle of it, and I'm hot, and I'm sweating, and the fishing's for shit, and I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> That's awesome. But you go through, I mean, you have to, you have to go through that stuff to, to you oh, know, yeah. to kind of figure it out. But oh, all yeah. right, so, so let's let's. Um, I, I don't want to lose sight on the hacks reboot. So, so that's work in progress. Yep. Uh, listeners will be able to look for that a year and a half from now, maybe. I am hoping I'm going to. I shot this past year, and I'm going to shoot next year. You know, in and around the Asable for a little bit, and then I'm going to head up to the Brule, probably end of June, and then I'll start messing around putting it together. And my guess is, I think I'll probably. You know, I go back and forth. Should I should I wait just before Hex to release it, get people charged up? But then I think no, that's not a good idea because people have been fishing. You know, they've done Hendrickson's and they've done the Sulphurs by then. They've done the Drakes, mm-hmm. and it's nice weather. No one wants to watch a movie. So I think my goal would be 
to release it next December. Okay. You know, when people are getting the Shack Nasties, December, uh, January, you know, give somebody, you know, give give the winter people something to something to watch. Well, and an, an ideal holiday gift. Exactly. Exactly. Though though it won't it won't be a DVD just because I think that's a that's a losing proposition. I don't even know if like the manufacturers who who pressed my other ones are still even in business. I'm sure right. probably some of them are. Um, but it's you know the problem with it is it's still very expensive to do. Even the last one that I did, you know the, the prices haven't dropped. It's just that those that have survived survived, but they're still charging the same. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, it, so you think it'd be cheaper, but it 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 hasn't. It's not cheaper, and it, and they're expensive to do. Now now they can declare it to be a retro boutique business. So right, right, and and I just don't think people. You know, it's it's an expensive. To, you have to have it authored, and the manufacturing, and dealing with the cover art, and the printing, and just the manufacturing, and the shipping, and all that stuff. It's just it's just not a cheap. You know, you're you're many 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 thousands in the hole before you've even sold one. Oh, yeah. So I just don't trust doing uh, DVDs anymore. Even though I love a physical product, um, unfortunately, this one, this one will probably just go, you know, go right to a stream. I, uh, I, and I get that. I, and, and I'm kind of that tactile way with books and papers. But yeah. it's still, there. there is a hell of a convenience in the streaming platform, so... Yeah, absolutely. I, I I get it. I mean, and I love it from the someone who makes it, because I I don't have that that you know that hard cost. Oh no, that, I mean, that, that I struggled yeah. with often. Exactly. I mean, you're, it it's just a lot easier for from your perspective, but it, but it's different. So yeah, challenging. I, okay. I like I like you know I like them to be on the shelf. I like to be able to go up and grab you know. I mean, like the the spades and and summer haze. I mean, I think they turned out really well, and just from the packaging standpoint, and it's kind of cool. They're a double disc, and you open it up, and you got two discs, you know, one on either side, and you can kind of move it around and look at it and spin it around and read it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, but, I mean, it was not amateur hour. You did a nice job. It was slick it, and professional. Yeah, and and they're but they're but you know, that was there was no price break like making. You'd think there's a little right. bit of a price break. It, it was basically like I made two DVDs. There was no price break. If you yep. if you priced out making two DVDs or this double digipack, the price was the same. Yeah. So um, that's when I was you know also thinking, God, you know, what am I doing here? You know, you know, because I mentioned that I blindly went into to Summer Haze. I'm sorry, Spade Haze, but then Summer Haze was going to be another double disc, and I'm like, do I want to go through this again? I just didn't print as many, but um, that one actually pretty much sold out. So I was really really surprised by that one. Nice. Nice. So we're we're getting a little late in the season. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have any fishing left any of this year? I, I have a, a tad bit of fishing left. I have to run back up in a couple weeks to shut down the summer place. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, by the time I do that, the inland trout season will be closed. So a lot of the little creeks that I fish near the near the cabin will be closed. Um, obviously, I can swing by and fish the Asable, um, but I probably, you know, that's kind of a, a, a depressing work weekend. You know, you go, you have to shut everything down, you know, turn the water off, pull everything off the deck, pull the dock out, boats out, blah, 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 blah. So I'll probably just do one uh, more bass pike lake trip Okay. and, and call it done. 
and then and then you you know I, I'll try to do a steelhead thing, but I haven't done that in in a number of years. I think I've gotten to the age where I don't, you know the 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 conditions need to be right for me. You, you get a little pickier. Yeah, yeah. I I, I want to be comfortable. I don't know how bad I want to catch a fish, you know, in ten degree weather. There you go. So I'm 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 picky that way. I, I, it always sounds like a great time. Um, but so well, there's that, and then I'm toying with the idea. I'd like to get one more driftless trip in. Up, yeah, yeah. Well, good, good. Thank you so much, RT. Great conversation, great fun. Um, definitely uh, start, swing through when you're up so and uh, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, we'll go forward. So, uh, listeners, um, uh, RT, sh- shoot me something that uh, I can link for the r- listeners. In the- you, you can, I mean, I guess a decent starting point would be thirdyearflyfisher.com. Okay. You, I mean, you can find links to streaming titles to some DVDs that I have left. Okay. Um, you know, I also have a Facebook thing, but I have one of those gray accounts, which I just got an email saying that they're gonna they're gonna take my Facebook page down in like mid October, unless I attach it to a personal account, which I don't have, which I'm probably not gonna do. So Facebook's gonna be going away in about okay. a month. But I'm all I do have Instagram, same thing, third year fly fisher. Uh, they okay. can find Instagram, and I don't. I'm not very active on social media, um, but I will per- periodically kind of update, you know, how things are going with the with the hex deal, um, and that kind of stuff. So I'm just I've really gravitated hardcore to social media, which I should. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I really should. Well, I mean, just in terms of doing hey, what I'm doing, yeah. I should be advertising and promoting a lot more than I do. But I just, I just not really into that. The, 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 the nice thing about doing these things is I just do them for fun, and they don't need to do anything more than what they do. Right. right. So, well, you're doing no, a hell of a job with it, buddy. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate your work, and we appreciate you taking the time today. So, go forward, have a fun weekend, do some good things, and uh, we'll talk to you sooner than later. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks. Thanks, RT. Man, RT is so much fun. That was a great conversation. Um, so we've got a couple of more uh, great guests in store for you. Um, we are kind of coming to the tail of our season. Uh, Saturday, um, the 17th at the museum, uh, we'll be observing regular hours. Um, for the, those of you who weren't able to make it, we have a, a couple of things left, so we'll have them out uh, and available for sale. And uh, I think that's just about it. Uh, For now, um, go out, enjoy your fishing. Uh, Probably a touch too early for our woodcock and grouse, but, um, you know, it's that time of year. Season's open, so uh, have fun, be safe, and enjoy. And until our next uh, episode, mind your back cast.